Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Psalm 119 and 130. Before we do, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of studying your Word together. As we study it, we invite the Holy Ghost to be our teacher and guide, to lead us and instruct us in righteousness and in the way of truth, to unveil to our spirits the deep, rich treasures of your Word and to quicken us according unto your Word, enabling us to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost and boldness to proclaim the truth in the power of the Spirit. And as always, we expect your word not to return void, but to accomplish that which you purpose and please. And for all that it accomplishes, we'll give you the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Psalm 119 and verse 130 says, The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. What is he talking about? The entrance of thy word gives light. What does he mean, light? Well, think about it just for a minute. If you're in a dark room and there is no light, it's very difficult for you to find your way around. Isn't that true? You can stumble about, trip over something and kick your toe and get hurt because there's no light to see your way around. Did you ever walk into a dark place after you've been out in the bright sun and it takes time for your eyes to focus and it's hard for you to see? When things come into focus, it's a lot easier to maneuver about and get around, isn't it? When light comes into a room, it's a whole lot easier for you to walk around in that room, isn't it? Especially if it's a room that you haven't been in before. See, light enables us to walk about freely to get from point A to point B without stumbling. Why is it then that we as individuals need light? Because light gives us the understanding that we need so that we can walk with God as we should. If we don't have the light, then we walk in the darkness. You say, but what is darkness? What darkness is he referring to? He's referring to the darkness of our minds. When man was separated from God, his spirit was separated, and his mind was darkened. The Bible says so. As a matter of fact, I'm a firm believer in this. When man fell from the presence of God and his spirit was separated from God, he lost 90% of the use of his mental faculties. If he uses 10% of it right now today, he's called a genius. Can you imagine just how, and when I say this, would you respect what I'm saying and, and receive it in the way I'm saying it? Man at his best using 10% is ignorant before God. Did you, did you hear that? Did you follow that? Man at his best using, let's say, the full capacity of his mental faculties is ignorant before God. Adam had 100% use of his mental faculties. 90% of that was lost. 
as a person studies the Word of God, I believe those cells are receiving light. Understanding. Enabling that person to walk in the light of God's knowledge. See, the psalmist said in the 23rd Psalm, sometimes we just quote these religiously and don't understand what they're talking about. He said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul. He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. The soul of man needs to be restored. What does restore mean? Now, if, if I told you we went out and purchased a brand new pulpit, you would know what that meant. This one was removed and either discarded or given away, and we have a brand new one. But if I said to you, we're planning on restoring this pulpit, what would, you, what would I be saying to you? We're taking the same one that's there and we're refinishing it, we're redoing it. It might mean we've got to strip off the varnish and strip it down to its natural wood and restain it or whatever it involves or whatever it takes. You understand what I'm talking about. I'm restoring it. We are restoring this. The mind of man needs to be restored. See, we have the mind... But it's in darkness. It doesn't have the light of the knowledge of God. It doesn't have the light of the knowledge of the principles of God. It doesn't fully understand the laws of God, the laws of faith, the law of love, etc. And so you see, because we're in darkness, we need restored to be brought back to its original state. To know God. And that's not always an easy thing for us to do because we've been programmed to think differently than God thinks. Isn't that true? Doesn't the Bible teach us that man's thoughts are not his thoughts and man's ways are not his ways? See, what the Christian life is all about is learning about God's ways and learning about God's thoughts and operating in them. And you know, beloved, it's sad to say that very often, you know, we only get so far into things of God before we leave this life. It's very sad to say that many will live and die without ever really experiencing much of the knowledge of God and having their minds really restored to the things of God. Did you know that? There are those who have been in churches for many, many, many years and they love God and we thank God. We love them and they love God. But you know, I feel so bad because they've never been taught about certain things like the subject of divine healing and health. They die without the knowledge that Jesus bore their sickness and carried their pain. Did you know that? They'll live and die and never know that Jesus shed His blood on Calvary's cross so that they could live a long, healthy life. They'll never know that because they've not been taught that. There are many that are walking in the darkness with regard to healing and health and there are many that are walking in the darkness with regard to oppressed minds. For you see, there are those that will live and die without ever being taught, without ever coming to the light of the knowledge that Jesus also died so they could have mental peace, peace of mind. You want a cure for Alzheimer's? It's found right here in the Word of God. But you know, preventive is a whole lot better than anything else. But you know, many will live and, 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 and sometimes die without ever knowing that Jesus died so they can have peace of mind. As a matter of fact, Jesus 
provided us the means whereby to have a carefree society. Did you know that? A carefree society. Where we don't have a worry or a care. I'm not talking about a concern about things. I'm talking about to the point of being pushed to anxiety. When demonic influence come and, and oppress the minds of people. Do you see the point? Many don't know that because they don't have the light. Why? Because they've never been taught the Word of God. Never been taught the Word of God. So they're walking in the darkness and they're not walking in the light. And without the light, you stumble around. Without the light, you can't walk with God as He wants you to walk. With regard to prayer, let's say the subject of prayer. How many of you know that many believers are in darkness with regard to how to pray? As a matter of fact, I've talked to individuals that have told me, I prayed and I prayed, but I don't know how to reach God. I don't know how to get results in prayer. You know, a fellow who was an educator for over 60 years, in education for over 60 years, said, and we're talking about higher education, he said, it's more important, as a Christian, he said, it's more important for you to learn how to pray than it is to get a college education. Think about that for a moment. It's more important for us to learn how to pray than it is for us to get a college education. Well, why is it that many times we walk in darkness with regard to prayer? Because we've not been taught the Word. Amen. See, the psalmist is saying the entrance of God's Word gives light. It gives understanding under the simple. And it's saying that we need to have the knowledge of God. We need to know about the things of God. We need to know the Word of God so that we don't live this life in darkness with regard to our healing and health, with regard to our mental soundness and wholeness, with regard to our financial status, with regard to whatever we need in this life, especially eternity. God wants us to be in the light. For example, if a person prays, if it be thy will, Lord, heal my body, that person is not praying in the light, he is praying in the darkness. Why is that? I want to show it to you. I want to show you what the Word of God says. Look at 1 John chapter 5. Let's say that this morning you might come and say, I want to be healed of the Lord and I'm coming. And the way I'm going to find out whether or not he's going to heal me is by going to the altar. And when someone prays for me, then if the Lord heals me, then I'll know that it's his will. If he doesn't, then I know it wasn't. Well, in First John chapter 5, we're never told to pray, if it be thy will, Lord, heal me. But yet many Christians today pray that way. And I am not criticizing them. I'm just making a statement of fact. They've been taught to pray that way. For the most part, we just do what we're taught to do, don't we? And if you go to church every week or twice a week or three times a week and you hear from the pulpit that the way you're supposed to pray for people to, to be healed is, Lord, if it's your will, heal them. If it's not, let them be sick. Basically, that's what's implied. See, then they don't know how to pray. They've never been taught how to pray according to God's will. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14 says this, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will. Stop right there for a moment. If we ask anything, isn't asking prayer? 
if we ask anything according to His will. I'm supposed to ask according to His will. How do I ascertain the will of God? Well, there's a very simple scripture that will help us understand that. In John 15, 7, we are told, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, what does the word give? Light. It gives understanding unto the simple. Now, notice this verse, John 15, 7. Write it down. Make a note of it. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, notice this. Five times he says you in that verse. If you abide in me, and my words abide in your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, your niece, your nephew, your father, your mother, your pastor. What does it say? Who? No, you. Not me, you. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask, you will ask what you will And it shall be done, or it will be done unto you. The way we ascertain the will of God is by knowing the Word of God. And when we know the Word of God, we ask according to His will. See, the person is supposed to be taught this. It is the will of God to heal you. Because the Word of God says He bore your sickness and carried your pain. And now that you know it is the will of God to heal you, ask according to His will. 1 John 5, 14, what does it say? Listen carefully. This is the light that we need to have. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, see, it is your will to heal me. It is your will to deliver me. It is your will that I behold. It is your will, dear Father God. I know that now because I'm not in the dark. I know that now because I'm in the light. Thank God I'm in the light. Now I'm praying in the light of God's will. Can you see that? The entrance of His Word gives light. It gives understanding unto the simple. So if I ask anything according to your will, to His will, He heareth us. Did you get that? Say this with me. What I ask, according to God's will, He hears me. Well, I like that. If we stopped right there and packed it up and went home, that'd be good, wouldn't it? If I ask, according to His will, He hears me. Is that implying if I don't ask according to His will, He doesn't? Is it? Think about it for a moment. God wants us to be enlightened. God wants us to know His will. God wants us to be taught in His Word so that when we go to Him in prayer, we ask according to His will. And when we do, we're asking in the light. We're praying in the light or in the knowledge of God. Now, notice this. It goes on to say, He heareth us. The way I am sure that God hears me when I pray is by asking according to His will. Now, let's stop just for a moment before we go any further. 
You might say, what if I don't know the will of God in a certain area? Well, first of all, what you would do is study the word to make certain that it's not already revealed to you in the word of God. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, for example, you have your heart set on praying for a mate and you have your eyes set on someone else's wife. Need I say any more? The Word says, Thou shalt not covet another man's wife, right? See, someone might, someone, you know, sometimes some, some Christians get a little bit smart with you and sarcastic. Well, if I can ask for anything and believe I'll get anything, I'm going to ask for that man's wife. No, that's not according to the will of God. Is that according to the will of God? Thou shalt not covet another man's wife, is what the Bible says. So you can't say anything means anything outside of the will of God. It's anything within the framework of the will of God. But if you don't know the will of God, if it's not provided for you in the Scriptures, like, how should I know whether or not God wants me to be the pastor of a certain church? I would know that because it's not written in the Bible anywhere. I don't have the Word on it. And so that's when we go to God in prayer and we say, Lord, I don't know your will in this area of my life. Therefore, I am seeking your face to discover your will for my life. And I expect you to reveal it to me. I'm asking you to enlighten me. Now, I'm praying in the light. Why? Because it's my right to ask Him for wisdom if I need it. The Word said so. And if I do, then I believe He hears me. And if I know He hears me, then I know I have. What do I have? The direction that I need for my life. Did you get that? I have the direction that I need for my life. See? I'm asking according to His will. So He hears me. And He'll unveil that to me. He'll show that to me. And then I'm walking in the light again. So I know He hears me if I ask according to His will. And so I find out that it's His will to heal me and deliver me and set me free. And I ask accordingly. I ask according to Your will. It is Your will, so I'm asking You to hear, heal me. And so now, I know You heard me. Why? Because I've asked according to Your will. See, I'm praying in the light. I've asked according to Your will, and I know that You've heard me. I'm abiding in you, and your words are abiding in me. I've asked according unto your will, which is your word, and I know that you have heard me. So, number one, if you're seeking anything from God, make certain that you know His will, and you know His will by His word, or through His word. Now, I know that it's His, His will to heal us, because the Bible said in Psalm 107 and verse 20, you can write it down, He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their afflictions. You know, it's His word to heal you, His will rather to heal you, because the word says in Proverbs 4, 20 through 22, My son, attend to my word, incline thine ear unto my sayings, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they, my words, are life unto those that find them, and they, my words, are health unto all of their flesh. I know it's His will to heal me, because Psalm 103, verse 3 says, Who forgiveth all mine iniquities, who healeth all my diseases. Amen? Amen. So bless the Lord who heals all my diseases. See, I know that. I know that it's His will, because I have His word for it. Amen? Amen? And so you can see how, for the most part, the Christian world has been 
in darkness with regard to the will of God in certain matters. In certain matters. Now, if you ask that same child of God, is it the will of God that He save everybody? I'm going to say it this way. If, if you're saved, then you should know that it's His will to save everybody. And in case you don't, I've got a scripture for you. It's found in Peter, and it says, He's not willing any should perish, that all, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. Amen? God wants everybody to come to repentance. He wants not one person to perish. So is it the will of God to save everybody? You know that it is. Why? How do you know that it is His will to save everybody? You have His Word. So now that you have His Word, you have His will, and now that you have His will, you can pray in the light. You see that lost soul out there? Father God, I ask that you touch his heart and touch his mind by the power of your spirit. I ask that you prepare his heart to receive the word of life that I have to give to him. Do you know he will? How many of you know that he will? Why do you know that he will? Because it's his will to save that man. And you're cooperating with him, aren't you? Amen. Amen. And so the same thing is true here. You find out what the will of God is by going to the word of God. His word abides in you. You ask what you will, and it's done unto you. Because you know that He heard you, and you know you have the petition that you desired of Him. Now, notice verse 15. Now, I know that He heard me. Look at this verse, verse 15. And if we know He heard us, that He heard, hears us, whatsoever we ask, I like this. Everybody say, we know. Everybody say, I know. See? This isn't walking in doubt. It doesn't say, well, if he does, then it's ours. If it doesn't, if he doesn't, then it's not. It doesn't say that, does it? What does it say? It says, if we know he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know we have. I like that. Don't you? Say, I know I have. Say it again, I know I have. Not going to get. I have the petition I desired of him. That brings us to our next point. If you want to receive from God, then you've got to be in the light. Step number one. If you want to receive healing from God, you've got to have the light on healing. You've got to have the word on healing because the entrance of the word gives what? Light. I'm not walking in the darkness, see? I'm walking in the light. I know it's His will to heal me. See? And in prayer, I know if I pray according to His will, He does hear me. And if I know He hears me, then I know I have. Not going to get someday, but that I have. I have the petition I desired of Him. Point two. There must be an understanding of faith in its operation. That brings us to more light. Look at James chapter 1. And look at verses 6 and 7. Well, back it up to verse 5. I like that point. This walk is a walk of knowing. The Christian life is one of knowledge. We're not in the dark. We're in the light. We know that we have the petition. It's good to know that I have it. Isn't it good to know that you have it? See, some don't know. If you ask somebody after they've been prayed for, you say, Sister, did you receive it from God? Well, I don't know yet. Why don't you know? Well, I was just waiting to feel better. Then once I feel better, then I'll know. No, it doesn't say that. It says, if you ask according to His will, He hears you. Well, I know He heard me. I know. But it goes on to say, if you know He heard you, then you know you have. Then you know you have. 
Glory to God, I know I have it. Well, sister, did you get it? I know I have it. What's the difference between sister A and sister B? Sister B, you see, sister A said, well, I I don't know, but but I, I prayed. And if it's his will, you know, he'll heal me. But sister B said, I know it's his word. I know it's his will. I have praying and I know I have the petition I desired of him. What's the difference between sister A and sister B? One's walking in darkness and one's walking in light. You see the difference? One's just been taught right, that's all. The other one's been taught wrong. They've been taught if it be his will. And you know it's hard to get that kind of teaching out of somebody. You know if you've been taught wrong, it's, it's a harder job to unteach somebody and deprogram that person and to reprogram that person than to get somebody off the street and teach them right. Did you know that? Have you been warring with that in your own life? We've been taught so many things and programs, you know, over the years in different ways because we've been taught the wrong thing. We've been taught, you know, to walk in the darkness. And as a result, we don't know, you know, God's way. And then all of a sudden we're taught the right way. Boy, we've got to get deprogrammed to get all that garbage out of us and get the right stuff in us so that we can walk in the light in the reality of God. See, the one said, I know I have and I know he heard me. I know I have the petition I desired of him because the word says so. And it doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what it looks like. That person's been taught the light of faith. Can you see that? And that person is walking in boldness and walking in confidence toward God. The other one is not because that person's not been taught right. Okay. James chapter 1 and verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. And upbraideth not. Upbraideth just means he doesn't find fault with the person that asked him wisdom. And it shall be given. Notice it shall be given. Look at the next verse. But let him ask in what? In faith. You see why it's so important to know the law of faith? How it works? How it operates? You know what, beloved? I used to think many, many years ago when I first got saved, boy, I was on a mission. I had to teach people faith. It was my responsibility to see to it that they had faith. I mean that. And you know, it's okay to a degree, but sometimes you blame yourself if they don't get it. Do you know what I mean by that? You blame yourself. It's like a teacher at school. You start teaching a class of, let's say, 20, 25 children. You know, some get A's, some get B's, C's, D's, and F's. Some today's E's or whatever. You know, and as a result, you think, my goodness, I'm committed to teaching. I'm committed to education. I want these children to get it. I want them to be somebody in life. I want them to have the right knowledge, etc., etc., etc. If you look at those that fail and those that don't make anything out of it, can you blame yourself? You've got to keep on teaching and keep on teaching and keep on teaching and keep on teaching. And some will get it and some won't. But you cannot become discouraged because some will walk away and some will turn away and some will just laugh at you and some will just criticize you. I've had my share of criticism. I expect more. Especially after this week. I'm telling you. Expect it. It goes with the territory. Regardless, keep preaching and teaching the Word of God. Let people know there is an absolute necessity, necessity that, that they learn about the law of faith and learn how to walk in it. 
James said right here, but let him ask in faith. Notice this, nothing wavering. I'd like to remove that from the Bible too. Well, I'd like to just believe God and waver and still get it, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? I'd like to ask God to be full of doubt and unbelief and balm with it and still get it, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? We'd all be there then, wouldn't we? Can you say amen? Easiest thing in the world. See? Just say, I believe it. Doubt for the rest of the week and still get it. Wouldn't that be nice? It doesn't work that way. It says right here, Let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed, for let not that man think. Think what? You see, a person who thinks that he still can get from God is walking in what? Darkness. He's not walking in the light. Let not that man think. Think what? He shall receive anything. Anything. Notice. Of the Lord. What's he saying to us? We've got to polish up our faith, don't we? We've got to get a hold of what faith is all about. And walk in the light of it. Why? Because without it, you can't receive anything from God. And, you know, I've been criticized. And I know I'll continue to be criticized. Because I've said it takes faith to receive from God. And someone will always come along and say, well, there's a, such a wonderful person here, here who didn't receive something from God. you telling me because they didn't use their faith? There may be a thousand and one reasons why that person didn't receive from God. I'm just saying one reason is because many don't use their faith and don't know how. Let's put it this way. They don't know how. They've not been taught how to walk in faith without wavering. Now, once again, do we think these things are simple? I mean, they're easy to say, but are they simple to walk in? No. Because you see, when you believe God for something, everything within you begins to, to wage a warfare, doesn't it? Your emotions, your feelings all rise up against you. The enemy comes against you to make you think differently, to doubt God, to be in unbelief, and to waver. As a matter of fact, that's exactly how the enemy comes, to make us waver. That's why he comes. We are told in Mark 4, the devil will come when anybody begins to walk in the light of the Word of God. Who's coming? How would you like to be certain that you can have a date with the devil? I'm telling you right now, just start getting into the Word of God and acting on it. Why? Well, see, somebody looking at me like an old cow at a new gate. Let's turn. Matthew's, Mark's Gospel, rather, chapter 4. Look at what it says. Mark 4.14 The sower soweth the Word. That's the Word of God. He is sowing it into the lives of people. And these are they by the wayside where the Word is sown. But when they have heard... Have you heard any of the Word of God? Um, Satan cometh immediately. He doesn't wait for an invitation. Did you get that? Why? And taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. How does he do this? He injects thoughts of doubt and unbelief. That's how. See, the word says, if I prayed, I know he heard me, and I know I have the petition I desired of him. Right? 
and immediately comes the devil saying, you didn't get it. No, no, you didn't really get it. No, it didn't really happen. No, you better look. You better check, check your body. Check and see whether or not you have that pain or that lump or whatever. No, no, you didn't get it. You didn't get it. It can't be. You can't lie like that saying you got something that you don't have. And the devil comes immediately to take the word. How quickly does he come? Immediately. I guarantee you a date with the devil if you act on the Word of God. But be of good cheer. Amen. You have power over all the power of the enemy. Amen. Amen. And if you know he's coming, you are well what? Prepared right. for his coming. Right. You can laugh. I'm telling you. It'll be just like you heard this morning. You pray in faith believing, I believe God, and immediately will come a thought of doubt or unbelief and you can just sit back, kick off your shoes and begin laughing. Because you know exactly it was, that, it was, that it was going to happen. You know that it was going to happen right then and right there. And so what do you do? You begin to rejoice on the inside instead of listening and entertaining the thoughts of doubt and unbelief. Can you see that? You know He's coming. So we have to ask in faith without wavering. See, if the enemy can get us to waver, then what happens? That man won't receive anything of the Lord. So it's your job to believe what's Satan's job to get you to waver. Don't blame him for doing his job. Just don't let him be successful. Do you get that? Come on now. Listen. Don't blame him for doing his job. Just don't let him be successful. When he comes to do what he's supposed to do and you know that he will... Take up a strong stand against him and just say, I expected you. I baked you a word pie. Would you like a piece? Can you see that? Do you see the point? Invite him in. And then after that, for dessert, I have praise. I'm telling you, I'm going to flood your ears with the praises of my God. Can you see that? The difference between one and the other is the one who knows the Word expects the devil to come and tell him or her that you're not free, that you're not healed, that you're not delivered. Can you see that? You're prepared because you've been taught. You have the light. You know that He's coming. And so you dish out the Word, don't you? You dish out the Word. Can you see that? He said, you didn't get it. And what do you say? I prayed according to the will of God. I know He heard me, and I know I have the petition that I desired of Him. I know that I know that I know that I know that I know I have the petition I desired of Him. It's not based on what I feel. It's not based on what I see. It's not based on what I think. It's not based on anybody else's report. It's based on the Word of God that He sent to heal me and deliver me from my destructions. I have received of the Lord. Would you like dessert? See, that's the meal you dish out. Can can you see that? That's walking in the Word. That's walking in the light. Thirdly, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 8. We want to get into this. On Wednesday night even more so. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. There's so many things to have faith in. You know, you've got to have faith in your prayer. Did you hear that? You've got to have faith in your prayer. 
But I'll tell you something else. You've got to have faith in the life of God that's in you. I've got to have faith in the life of God that's in me. You know, I have faith in the ability of God. I'm telling you, before I walk out of my office and walk up onto this platform, I'm telling you, I, I know that I'm just like anybody else in this world as a Christian. But there's something about it when I leave that office and I say, let's go to God. You called me. You anointed me. You equip me. I am not going out there alone. I'm not going out there in my own strength. I'm not going out there in my own ability. You're the one that put the call upon my life. I expect certain things. Listen carefully. I expect you to anoint my lips. I expect you to think through my thoughts. I expect you to touch the hearts and the lives of the people with the Word of God. I expect demonstrations of the Spirit and of power. God wants us to be that way. That's called boldness. You know, God loves it when we walk in that kind of boldness. Amen. And so I expect utterance in the Holy Ghost that will affect people's lives. You've got to go believing in the life of God that's in you. You anointed me with power over all the power of the enemy. You've equipped me to do something for you to promote your kingdom and the gospel of Jesus on this earth. Let's go. I I have faith and I believe in that. See, if I didn't believe in that, I'd walk away from it and just quit. You see how you've got to have belief in the life of God that's in you? I'm going to ask every person in this room who's been filled with the Holy Ghost to raise your hand. I'm talking about with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Raise your hand high to heaven. You've been filled with the Holy Ghost? Okay. Uh, You can put it down now. I want you to know that you've got power. You've got dunamis. You've got dynamite. On the inside of you. I've got dynamite on the inside of me. See, the problem is sometimes we don't light the fuse. We don't let it explode on the inside of us because we don't believe in how much power God has given us. I want you to read Romans 8, 11 with me if you would, please. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead. Stop right there. Do you know what it took for the Spirit of Him to raise up Jesus from the dead? I won't take the time to turn to it, but I will tell you this. It was the greatest working of God's almighty power when He raised up Jesus from the dead. Jesus bore our sin and sickness on the cross. He went into the prison house of suffering. And there He suffered for our sins. His body was on the earth. It was destroyed by the spear, by the imprint of the nails, by the crown of thorns, and by the cat of nine tails that just absolutely ripped open His back. I mean, His flesh was emaciated. He was absolutely awful to even look at. Okay? But on the day that he was raised up from the dead, I want you to notice it was the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. God's Spirit swept those regions. God, I'll give it to you graphically. God looked over the banisters of heaven. 
The Bible said he saw the travail of his soul. He said, it is enough. And when he did, because the claims of justice were satisfied, I mean to tell you, he spoke those words. The breath of his spirit began, just as it came from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind. It went down into those regions of the dam. Got a hold of Jesus. I'm telling you, he was quickened by the spirit. God's Spirit quickened him down there. He hurled off the forces that were arrayed against him. And then it went into his body that was there in the tomb. If you were there on resurrection morning, you would have seen all the soldiers round about that were lined up guarding the tomb. The rock that was placed before the tomb. An enormous size of a rock. Also down in such a way that you couldn't possibly get that thing out without an enormous amount of men. But there they were when all of a sudden there was this rumbling and this earthquake and this noise that they heard. And then there was a presence of the power of the living God that raised Jesus up that caused them to be as dead men. What happened? The glory of God burst through out of the earth into the body of Jesus and took it out of the cocoon type figure there and it was raised up incorruptible. Can you imagine that working of God's almighty power? And it was in such manifestation they were out there on the other side of the rock and they all fell into the power. They fell as dead men. Isn't that exciting? How many of you think that's exciting? And wouldn't it have been exciting to have been there and see that kind of awesome display of power. Wouldn't that have been exciting? Come on, how exciting would that have been? I mean, it would have been, man, it would have been cool to be there. Was it that exciting? A little more than that? A little, little more than that? It would have been really exciting, right? Okay, it would have been awesome to be there, right? Can you handle this? But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Did you get that? If you were there, you would have seen an awesome display of power that dwells in you. If you can sit there and not shout... (laughs) Oh, I tell you, that power is in you. See, it goes to show once again, we're walking in the dark. We don't know what's on the inside of us. Can you see that? See, those that are in the light, they know. And they say this. The Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. Look at the next part. Then He that raised up Christ from the dead, that is the Spirit of God that dwells in you, shall also quicken your mortal body. By His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Faith says, I prayed, I believe God heard me, and now the Spirit of God that raised up Jesus from the dead is indwelling me and quickening my mortal body, making every part of it alive in God. Full of the life of God. Can you see that? 
That's what it says. There's got to be faith in the life of God. That's point three. I've got faith in the life of God that's in me. Believe in it and allow it to work. Man, light the fuse and let the the dynamite explode on the inside. How does that happen? By my faith. I say the Spirit of God that raised up Jesus from the dead, that took that torn body of His and made it every whit whole, is dwelling on the inside of me. He's quickening me right now. You know, you don't have any time to entertain the thoughts of the devil. I don't have time to entertain what he might say to me, do I? I don't have that kind of time. I'm saying that God's Spirit is living in me right now. It raised up Jesus from the dead. He is quickening my mortal body now because I have the petition I desired of Him. He's in me, making me every whit whole from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. And I thank God Almighty for it. Hallelujah. That's what you're doing. There's got to be faith in the life of God that lives on the inside of us. And beloved, I believe in that life of God in me. Do you believe in that life of God in you? See, but God wants us to let it explode on the inside of us. And oh, if we could just understand the dynamics of that, what a change it would make in people's lives. I want you to turn with me to something else and I'm going to close right here. Acts. To the book of Acts. Go to the book of Acts in chapter 16. We must have confidence in the life of God that's on the inside of us. And also, we must understand how God moves or manifests Himself through praise. I want you to notice in in verse 25. This story is very simple. Paul and Silas were cast into prison. They were whipped and beaten for the things that they did. As a Christian, their feet were fast in the stocks. They laid on them many stripes. Their backs were open and bleeding. They were there awaiting, probably to be beheaded. Their lives to be taken, sacrificed, martyred. It's probably one of the darkest hours of a person's life. As a matter of fact, they could have got to the place where they thought, well, I've served God. I've done what He said to do. You know, I I did all that He told me to do. And we might as well just forget about it. Don't delay this thing any further, any longer. Let's just go ahead and die. I've served God with my life. But Paul knew his time had not yet come. And even though he was in that dilemma, in that situation, God would still deliver him out of it. How many of you know that Paul knew God? And he believed in his God. And he believed God above his senses and above his circumstances on many occasions. We have that seen and written in the Scriptures, right? Here is another occasion where the same thing happens, that he believes God and is delivered from an affliction or a, or a situation that was adverse, right? Don't you think you can learn something from a man like that? I know I can. Listen carefully. Some people think that they're the only ones to face a midnight hour of crisis. And some people think that when you teach faith, you're never going to have a midnight hour or a crisis. 
And that's not true. Faith, people do not teach that. Those that really understand faith know that the trials and circumstances of life will come to all of us. But we're taught what to do in the circumstance and how to overcome it with our faith. For this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Amen? Now listen. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. They prayed. The thing they did was prayed. They didn't call for a fax machine. They didn't call for a telephone. They prayed. Now, beloved, they must have had confidence in their prayer lives. They must have had faith in what they were praying for. They prayed according to the will of God, which was for their deliverance. They prayed in faith, believing. How do I know that? Because the next part says, and they sang praises. They prayed first and then sang praises afterward. Praise is the highest expression of our faith toward God. It's the highest form of expression. A person in faith is a person who will praise God for the victory. A person who will thank God for the victory who doesn't even see the victory with a natural eye. Can you see that? Here is something that is vitally important to all of our spiritual lives to know. That the manifestation of those things that people pray for usually come during the time of praise. Did you hear that? The manifestation of what people pray for comes usually during the time of praise. I have prayed. It's in the hand of God. What's left for me to do in my midnight hour of crisis is praise God for the victory. Thank God for the victory. Can you see that? To magnify the Lord. And here it says that Paul and Silas first prayed and then they sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. So they weren't quiet about it. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. I think an earthquake would have been enough. Don't you? You want to get God to quake your earth? Whatever that means. This is earth. This body's made of the earth. You want to get it to quake? I'll tell you what, loose the Spirit of God on the inside of you, it'll cause a rumble on the inside that'll get it to shake in line with the Word of God. Did you get that? Release your faith in prayer and then praise God for the victory. And here's what happened. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Boy, I want to stop right there. I've got to stop right there just for a minute because I'm about to have a spell. (laughs) You think about this now. Your faith is so far reaching that when you begin to praise God for the victory, if He's got to shake the prison house of Satan's kingdom to get the devil off your back, to get the disease out of your body, whatever it is, I'm telling you, He'll do it. 
Can you see that? You want to shake yourself loose from the power of the enemy or of sickness or disease or mental anguish or torment or whatever it is that's come against you in life. Well, you make a note of this. You prayed, now praise. Because when you praise, you activate the Spirit of God, you release it over to God totally, and you begin to set in motion spiritual activities that will shake, I'm telling you, Satan's kingdom to its foundation. Jesus has already done that. You're hooking up with it. As you have hooked up with it, praise God, it will shake you loose. Look at look what happened here. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, drew out his sword, wanted to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm. We're all here. Yeah, we're all here and we're all free. I like this about God. Not only did they get free, but the rest of the people got free. If you can't believe God for yourself, get close to somebody who does. You might get an overflow blessing. Can you see that? Actually, it just got off on them, didn't it? Paul and Silas were so filled with God, so full of God, it got on them. And their bands were loosed. And they were free. I believe there's a double reference there. I believe they were free, number one, by the chains that bound them in the natural. And number two, they were free from those demonic chains that were holding their spirits in bondage. You know why? As I read on, they all got saved. Amen. I mean, the jailer got saved. His house got saved. You think this, this guy, you know, whatever his name may have been, Rocky over here down the, at the corner cell. You know, Rocky was over in the corner cell. Tony was over on the other cell. You know what I mean? I mean, big tough guys, macho men, you know, one was in for this, one was in for that. They witnessed all this move of God. Do you think they just walked off? Man, their eyes beheld the glory of the living God. I don't care how big, how rough, how tough somebody is on the outside. I want you to know when they see the power of God and that kind of manifestation, they're going to fall to their knees. These people bowed their knees before God. God shook them loose and they all came into the sheepfold. Praise God. Start a church right there. Start a church. The Philippian church. We got a letter to prove it. Praise God. All because somebody, because Paul prayed and sang praises to God. There's not enough singing going on. I said there's not enough singing going on. Even among Pentecostals, there's not enough singing and shouting and praising of God going on. If there was, if there was more of it, you'd have a lot more freer people, I'm telling you, who knew that God heard them. Have faith in the life of God that's in you. Release your faith in believing and knowing that God's in you by His Spirit right now and He's quickening your mortal body. And shout your praise on high until every chain of bondage falls off of you and me. Amen? Amen? That's what God wants His people to do. Praise God. And you know we can do it right here and now. Praises the musicians. Come on up here if you would, please. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. 
If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.